$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Try to 
go over the results of an event that we haven't watched. So, like I said, stay tuned. Go watch the fucking showdown if you want. You know, I know that there's a lot of hubbub uh, about the whole entire thing. If you want to watch it, it's up to you to watch it. And I completely understand if you don't want to watch it. So I'll just put it like that. But um, either way, we are going to be going over a couple other things. And we got some news items to go over. Um, One of them, Chris, I thought was really, really cool because I think that I might have been the person um, stating that I'd like to see this originally. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to take like the, uh, you know, like, oh, I thought of this. It was, I, I booked this in my head, but either way, Minoru Suzuki, uh, got towards Twitter and called out some, uh, some American wrestlers. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to say his quotes. I'm not going to do an impression of Minoru Suzuki. Cause I don't know how the fuck I do that. And I don't want him to find me and then really severely beat me. So I'll just say what he said on Twitter. Say what you want to say, Chris Jericho. I want to fight Chris Jericho and John Moxley. I want to wrestle them. The world's professional wrestling fans want to see this. The world is waiting. Listen carefully. Suzuki is Japan. Uh, when New Japan failed to respond to the challenges, uh, 10 minutes later he wrote, Don't give me an answer, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Listen to the voice of the world. And then on the article that I uh, saw this from, it's got a picture of Chris Jericho with Minoru Suzuki. I know that Chris has been saying that he wants to do a match with him. I don't know why anyone uh, – Suzuki scares the shit out of me. I think that, like I've said before in the past, I think it's like what a lot of people thought about Abdul the Butcher. Like there's nothing – well, no, he's, he's, a, he's a past MMA uh, badass. I mean he's beaten Ken Shamrock a couple times. Um, good for you, Suzuki. Um but, you know, I've been, I, I said, I think a couple episodes ago, I would love to see John Moxley in New Japan go against uh, Naito and Suzuki specifically. And that stare down between Suzuki and Naito, and, not Naito, and uh, John Moxley would be great. I think Chris Jericho would be a great opponent for him. Um, I don't think Jericho's taking the IWGP title, but we'll go over that later. Well, what do you think about these comments, Chris? And would you be interested in Suzuki versus either Jericho or Moxley? Dude, I mean, I'm always stoked for any kind of Suzuki match, but uh, specifically uh, with those two because they wrestle more of a brawling style, which just lines up with Suzuki perfectly. They, uh, you know, obviously it'd be a very hard-hitting affair. And, uh, yeah, completely down for that. Sounds fucking awesome. The world does want Moxley versus Suzuki. <laughs> That would be awesome. So uh, hopefully we get that in the future. Maybe uh, maybe in the G1. Who knows? I would, I, 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 would, uh, I would love to see that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on that, man. I think the concept of that match would be a lot of fun, violent. And uh, when we go over the John Moxley uh, match with Juice Robinson from the uh, finals of the, the uh, Super Juniors, in which uh, Moxley, I guess, spoiler alert, unless you're listening, um, unless you're an avid listener and you you, you plan on sticking around, I guess, um, Moxley won the U.S. Uh, championship from by biting the fuck out of Juice Robinson's uh, eyebrow and just beating the shit out of him. So, yeah, him and Suzuki seem to have a very similar style. So does Jericho, like you said, uh, in this re- recent incarnation with the New Japan. So I think... Either person against 
a Minoru Suzuki would be a lot of fun and would be a great main event, sub-main event, whatever the hell have you. Um, I think Jericho would probably be like, no, I'm the main fucking event, especially if he gets that damn title. Uh, I don't think that fucking Moxley gives a shit. He just wants to fight people, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I'm completely down. Chris is completely down. So New Japan, Gato, whoever, make it happen. Listen to us. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of um, couple of events that have happened, Chris, and far as far as talent uh, leaving or being maybe even a free agent at this point. We have Eli Drake, dummy. Uh, he's now a free agent from Impact, uh, so there's a lot of people speculating. Since I think he's a damn, he's a he's efficient worker in the ring, and he has a hell of a lot of charisma. Great on the mic, great body. You know, very inspired by The Rock. He doesn't hide that at all. He's actually friends with Dwayne. Well, from what he posts on Twitter, but whatever. Um, you know, I think he could go in the course of NXT, or he could actually add a lot of flavor to AEW. Maybe a Ring of Honor, maybe even you know an MLW, uh, but either any place, I think he would be an awesome contribution. I guess minus the the little bit of controversy with Impact, but we'll kind of go into that um, separately by itself. And then TJP uh, showed up on Impact, formerly known as Suicide, ex uh, Cruiserweight Champion over in WWE. Um, so he showed up at Impact and made his presence there this last episode. And then there has been a promo on MLW. Austin Aries is headed over to MLW. So another company is, you know, trying to stick with Austin Aries um, and, and, and do some stuff. I'm not saying that in a, in a negative light. I just know Austin Aries' track record in the past of kind of being hard to, hard to work with. He had a comment, and I'll try to find it while you're talking on Twitter recently, that was actually pretty uh, pretty hilarious by uh, – you know, a, a criticism that a fan had uh, that he actually had some stuff to back it up. Probably bullshit because he acted like, no, I'm fine to work with. It just depends on the company, which is, yeah. Great worker, though. Either way. Any of those kind of tickle your fancy, if you will, Eli Drake being a free agent, possibly of going anywhere. TJ, TJP, I should say, showing up on Impact and an Austin Aries heading over to MLW. What do you got to say? Uh, I like Austin Aries going to MLW. I, I think he's going to have some really fun matches at the top of that card. Specifically, I want to see him versus Tom Waller. I think that'll be some really good shit. Um, Eli Drake, he's been rumored. Well, it'll be really I good mean, shit. It'll be really good shit. Um, <laughs> Eli Drake's been rumored to be was in talks apparently with WWE, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. I think going back in, into December, November, December. I think we we talked about that a little bit, but. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, I don't know it's a little bittersweet because I thought that it, it, he wasn't always used the best in Impact, but he, I mean he did have three different title reigns, um, some pretty damn good promos while he was there. He's a guy that I could see fitting in in Ring of Honor, probably better than uh, like NXT. I don't know that. I mean I guess he could show up on AEW, but it looks like they're to me they're going for something really different. And he comes off a little bit more like a, uh, almost like a WWE style wrestler in a lot of ways. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but with kind of how AEW seems to be leaning, I don't know that that's necessarily the best fit for him. Not that they couldn't find something for him to do, but uh, to me, I think Ring of Honor, NXT, or MLW is probably the best landing spot. I would personally like to see him 
in NXT. I don't know how well he'll get along with management there because I know he's he's super he's super into cutting his own promos and he really I know even in his Twitter post when he talked about you know how, how thankful he was for the four years in Impact Wrestling and uh, how he was always given the trust to craft his own promos. You know WWE doesn't sound like necessarily the best landing spot for him outside of NXT. So, uh, you know, more than likely Ring of Honor MLW is where he'll land if he just doesn't work the indie scene for a while. And uh, TJP, I haven't got to see his uh, his match. I, I never – he's a good wrestler. I just never could get into the gimmick. And uh, it's a good you didn't like Human Impact. Sonic? Human Sonic or I, – I just – I don't know. But uh, – a lot of that's just how WWE presented him more than anything else. I, obviously, he's a good wrestler. I, and he could, I mean, there's obviously some people that he can wrestle against in Impact that would be a lot of fun, like Rich Swan, for instance, or uh, Johnny Impact. I think there's some, some fun matches you can get out of TJP. But just, uh, yeah, I never was a huge fan of, of TJP. But that, uh, it's a good get for Impact. He's a name that people know. He gets to keep the name TJP, which goes a long way. A little bit of notoriety there, and I don't know. We'll see. I haven't, like I said, I haven't got to see his debut yet, so I'll definitely be checking that out at some point this weekend. Yeah, it's very interesting. TJP back. I kind of would have thought that maybe. I, I know that obviously it was other workers. There's Christopher Daniels, then Austin Aries, and I think TJP took it up after maybe another person. But I know that they have another name for him. I don't remember what it was, but taking the suicide persona again and doing that you know, mass thing. It, it really gets off with the fans. I know that obviously he's established himself, but let's face it. I love TJP to some extent. I think he's a great worker and I actually like him better as a heel than a baby face that, that, like I said, that Sonic, the human Sonic thing didn't really work out for me, but um, it might, you know, add something if you were to inherit that, even if he does both personas, like the normal version of himself. And then that, you know, kind of adding to his repertoire, very similar to Jeff Hardy or, or a uh, Mick Foley or even a Bray Wyatt uh, for that matter. But we'll see. Austin Aries, I think, is a very interesting person to go to MLW. I think that he'll have pretty damn good matches with, like you said, Tom Lawler, Sammy Callahan, Teddy Hart. There's a lot of people. Him and, him and Teddy Hart, especially since Teddy's been very clean and changing up his life, I think that they would have some really interesting chemistry uh, with an MLW. So I'm looking forward to that. If you guys are curious about the, uh, the, the, the tweet that Austin Aries said, and I'll, I'll send this back to you because I want to talk about the Eli Drake thing a little bit more so. But from Austin Aries, what he said on Twitter was, I'm super – someone basically claimed that he is – what was uh, – he's a difficult to work with or he has a bad attitude. I don't remember if it was someone that works in the industry or if it was just a fan calling that out. Um, a couple of wrestlers like MVP came to his, uh, his aid. But Austin uh, said, I'm super easy to work with unless you're selfish, dishonest, or incompetent. Then I'm a fucking nightmare to deal with, as those have found out in the wrestling business. Being hard to work with is corporate slang for he calls us out for all of our bullshit. Austin Aries has had a lot of comparisons over the years, even though I think he's a better worker, to Mr. CM Punk. This is a similar attitude, Chris. For sure. I mean, there's a little bit there. I, I, it's so hard to compare someone to CM Punk, man, honestly. But I, I could see, you know, a, a little bit. I, I could see it a little bit. 
And of course, the reason why I want to talk about Eli Drake is something that happened to me on the AEW um, official fan Facebook group or whatnot. I have no clue if it's official. I've been trying to like, well, actually, I haven't asked him outright, but I've been trying to see if one of the admins needs like help with moderators because there's a lot of fucking idiots on that goddamn page. But either way, you know, um, still someone was posting because of the news of Eli Drake being a free agent. Yeah, there have been rumors of him being in talks with WWE. I think he brought up a good thing about if he goes to WWE, one of his main things is going to be exploited once he leaves NXT, which is his gift for gab. So would that be a really smart you know, venture for him to go in? Because I feel like he could be something different. You know, something of, of the of, of the old and, and still present it in AEW and allow him to progress. Um, I think it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, someone suggested this, and I thought it was cool. The concept of him and John Moxley having a back and forth, very, uh, you know, Austin versus Rock in a way, you know, they could have like a similar type of concept. I don't know if they would even do that because of the similarities probably projected from, from fans, but either way, the main thing is that I was having an argument. Uh, with someone on the page that was saying with the whole Eli Drake not wanting to, uh, well, the apparent Eli Drake not wanting to job to Tessa Blanchard getting him fired, which has been said to be bullshit. From what Eli says, that it was just problems with him and management going back and forth. His contract was almost up, and they decided not to further it with this whole entire you know shenanigans with that, and that he's been – Many a times, uh, you know, uh, quoted on saying that he has no problem with Tessa Blanchard. He thinks that she's a very efficient worker. She probably could kick guys' asses. Based on his size, he thinks it's completely unbelievable. He doesn't like the concept of, you know, even fake fighting a woman because of his own, you know, uh, concept within his head. And he just didn't – all of it, you know, he didn't want to accidentally hurt her or anything like that. A lot of it might be some stupid macho machismo bullshit thought of by certain fans if they want to look at it this way. I thought it was decent reasoning. reasoning. And I know that there's been a lot of men versus women that goes back to WWE, even previous before that, for a long time period. And you have someone like Tessa that's not like China, but she's still definitely, you know, she looks pretty damn intimidating. What I just found really, really, really funny, and maybe this will be my Jim Cornette moment, I don't understand why this motherfucker had, like, such an appreciation thread for Joey Ryan. And I brought this up against him because I said, hey, guys, here's a link to the article. This is him explaining himself. I think it's a lot more than what some of you motherfuckers are like, no, he's, he's an anti-feminist, blah, all that bullshit. Um, you know, I gave them the article, and someone came at me with, you know, just going down my throat that he just wouldn't job to a woman, blah, blah, blah. And it, like I said, it was someone that had an appreciation for Joey Ryan threat. And I thought it was ridiculous, Chris, because personally, you know, that even though I think he's a pretty damn good worker, I don't get Joey Ryan. I try to, like, I've been at shows with him before. He does his thing. I don't really criticize him too much. But what I said was I, I find it funny that the feminist movement is behind Joey Ryan, who gets female wrestlers, convinces them because of his, his character to do dick flips with them and grabs them by the boobs and does suplexes and fucking even has had, I think, uh, Priscilla Presley puke on his, on his thing. Like, that's fucking such a profound thing in wrestling. I know it's not like Jim Cornette because I realize that. But Eli, who's, like, morally, like, I, I just don't want to fucking fight a female and felt really weird and obligated, might be bullshit, 
I, what, how do you feel about it, basically? I, I'm just curious of, of what you think about that whole entire, I guess, argument on Eli Drake. I mean, Eli Drake went from someone that was on top of the cards to someone they wanted to job or to do a job for Tessa Blanchard. And I mean, as a worker, if you take the political side out of it and 2019 feelings and all of the outside the wrestling world kind of stuff, doesn't it kind of kill him as a male character if he loses to Tessa, if he's a top main event attraction? Like, are you going to ask Cody Rhodes to lose to? You know, Britt Baker. Even more if, logical if, if, than what I was saying. I mean, well, I think that's the thing is we look at a lot of people look at it illogically and try to bring politics into wrestling when they're not related. As a worker, you're you're a male you're a male wrestler. Yes, you're going to lose to Tessa. It's going to put Tessa over really, really big. But where does your character go from that on Impact on a weekly television show? So I know he came out with all these other reasons and stuff, but at the end of the day, sometimes you have to kind of protect yourself, especially if you consider you're a main eventer in your contract. The other thing is his contract was about up, and it does kind of seem like if they weren't going to re-sign him, and maybe that was the other side of it, if you're not going to re-sign him, it's almost like you're trying to bury him on the way out if you're going to have him lose to a female wrestler. And I don't know if he took it like that or what, because that's just how I would look at it. Uh, more than anything else, but yeah, I, I you could I see I see your argument inside of it. It's I, to me, it's just sometimes it's it's more simple than like political reasons or being an anti-feminist or whatever. I mean, it, I can't name many male wrestlers who have lost to female wrestlers and went on to have very successful runs in the company that they're in. Like a prime example is Jeff Jarrett lost to China, lost the Intercontinental title belt to China, and then was out of WWE within like a year or like six months. Like it, it pretty much killed any kind of momentum he had in that company. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, Session Moth has great matches with guys all the time. There's definitely room for it in the wrestling world. But if you're Eli Drake and you've been at the top of the Impact card in the past four years – and your contract's up, and they're not talking about really re-signing you for the money you want, and they come and ask you to do this job, I think that plays more of a factor in it <laughs> than just like, I, you know, I don't think it's believable or whatever. I mean, where, where does the storyline go from there if Eli Drake loses to Tessa? And I think, you know, it worked out for Impact better because they were able to bring in a heel Disco Inferno to do the same storyline and use his podcast to publicly shame women and go around the world wrestling women which, you know, even that gets the internet in the uproar, and it's a gimmick. Like, it's always been a gimmick. And if you remember, his very first feud in WCW was against Jacqueline, who is a female wrestler. <laughs> he has no yep. problem wrestling female wrestlers. But people tie in politics way too much. It's like they're – you're almost working yourself a lot of times when you get into this. As far as Joey Ryan, I mean, he's really big in the, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, and standing up for women. And even though he does do this male chauvinist thing, it is a bit of a character with him. But I can well, see where I'm you could draw saying, the comparison and be like, if you hate one, then you could, you could point it out and say, yes, this is bad. Yeah, I'm but, just but saying, like, like, I said, like, like, I understand that he sticks up for the LGBT community, and, and I get all that. But I just find it so fucking still infuriating that some of his moves, technically, even 
though it's 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 all it's it's all cool between the friends and shit like that, you know, I mean he's getting girls to grab his fucking dick and fucking grab him by the boobs, but Eli Drake's a piece of shit for not wanting to job to Tesla Blanchard. I I just don't understand that type of rationale. Maybe I'm throwing too much thought into it, but that's just like you know based on that person's argument at least. Yeah, and I and you know you're entitled to have, like to have that thought and be kind of baffled by. By that situation, I just think a lot of people put way too much thought into politics when it comes to something like not wanting to lose a match to a female wrestler. Because the simple answer is, once you do that, where does your career go in that company? Like, where where is he going to go fight Johnny Impact after he loses to Tessa? Because at that point, Tessa should be higher on the card than he is. And then where does it stop? Well, she already was, but yeah, definitely agree with uh, the perspective of what you're saying. Um, and that, 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 that's honestly even better than what my reason was. And honestly, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it's the age in which we live in basically with this modern, you know, for a lot of good reasons, you know, this PC culture, but when it comes down to stuff with wrestling, I didn't even think about that. I was, I was thinking out of the box a bit, but I mean, that's the best reasoning. Like, yeah, that would lower your stock. Oh, well, why would it would lower your stock? Losing to a female wrestler as good as Tessa Blanchard, because it it, it just would. I mean, I the, I, the I only way know. it would the, the only way it wouldn't lower your stock is if she's also beating other guy wrestlers. So then you're exactly. setting a precedent where Tessa has to go over on guy wrestlers, and they do that in the UK. Session Moth wrestles guy wrestlers all the time, loses, wins, but she's beating multiple guy wrestlers. So on the cards, it's working Absolutely. on it makes sense. But are you going to do that weekly on your TV show? Because at some no. point you got to give Tessa a title shot if you're going to have her beating guys on a weekly basis. Where if it, if to me what happened is they had the storyline for this Disco Inferno type character, they picked a really good promo for it, and when it didn't work out, they just brought Disco Inferno in to do it. But if that was Eli Drake's storyline or what they were going with, because I know like Don Callis is really good at planning out stuff ahead of time, I'm assuming this is just the same storyline. Like, yep. what would have been Eli Drake's move after that? Because the pop is Tessa beats his ass, right? And then is she going to go on to wrestle other guy wrestlers? Who, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but well, as, yeah, a, as a worker, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea for you, especially if your contract's about up. And, and that's kind of I, – I said the same thing about Dean Ambrose. It's probably not that Dean Ambrose has anything against working with Nia Jax, but it, it is a weird thing where it's almost like – yeah, where well, you're going to have Nia Jax beat him because he's on his way out. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And um, that's that. I hope to see Eli, myself personally, over in AEW because I do feel like he'll get to NXT, he'll do great, and then he'll get to the main, and then his number one thing. Maybe he can be like Kevin Owens and a lot of those guys where they take the script and just make it their own and really kill it. So he seems like the model for WWE, but – if he wants more freedom, I'd like to see him show up in a, over in AEW. I can't see him in Ring of Honor. I can't see him in New Japan. But Eli Drake, I think, would be a benefit for a lot of different wrestling places. Let's move on. Uh, Chris, we had quite a few wrestlers uh, get name changes over in NXT. So I kind of wanted to go over a couple of these. Uh, uh, the, the first big one is uh, Punishment Martinez is now um, – Oh, man, I, I just lost where the hell I was. Punishment Martinez 
All right, well, I'll find that, but I'll go over some of the other ones, actually. <laughs> Punishment Martinez went from having a cool name to being just a dude. Adrian Priest, <laughs> that's his name. I don't have to find it on this article that I promise I'm not reading right in front of me. Um, have you been watching the vignettes on NXT of this guy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's they're buying into his character a little bit from what he was doing from the indie scene, but it definitely has like an Aleister Black feel to it. I know what I feel like, especially with the last one on NXT where he was like going to clubs and being that weird guy in the background, like we're at, we're in one of the Blade movies and he's some evil vampire. I feel like uh, the, I would say in NXT, two of the most popular characters in the last two years that both came out at the same time was Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black. And what I'm seeing from these vignettes, it seems like they're trying to combine the characters and put them into one with Punishment Martinez, uh, you know, behind it, um, which is fine. Uh, but I like the name. You know, I, I wasn't really, uh, you know, married to Punishment Martinez. Actually, I think it sounds kind of dumb. So I like the name. Uh, but, yeah, with the vignettes, it's kind of like – I know I should just say fuck it because it's NXT and it's not the same as WWE's main. But at the same time, it does kind of it's it's a it's a bit cheesy. He's like a partier, but he's like also dark and shit, and he's got tattoos. He could be worse. He could be out cutting Raven promos headed into a title match. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I don't much care for the name. I thought Punishment Martinez was a cool name, and it was different than kind of anything that was out there. Um, Adrian Priest just – it sounds like a low-key Aleister Black, especially right after Aleister Black. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the, that particular name change. He's like clubbing Undertaker, basically, in these fucking vignettes. But, hey, I want Punishment Martinez Dude. to do good. So what – Cl- clubbing Undertaker would clubbing Undertaker would be awesome. <laughs> Him and Paul Bear <laughs> just getting down in the club. <laughs> That'd be fucking amazing. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <Book it. laughs> oh wow! All right, so uh, we have a couple wrestlers. Some of them, I, I don't think it's as big of a deal because they're not like wrestlers or kind of like homegrown talent. We have a 37-year-old uh, Brazilian named Adrian. Um, Jody, uh, is now Arturo Ruiz, um, former volleyball player, uh, who was also in the Mayon Classic last year. Jesse Alaban is now Jesse, uh, Camilla. Yeah. Luke Menzies, uh, former British rugby player is now Ridge Holland. This is where it gets kind of interesting. And there's a couple more after this, but Trevor Lee of Impact Wrestling, Really, really like Trevor Lee. Uh, uh, he was taught by the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt. He's like their little son, if you will. Um, they decide to go with Cameron Grimes, which I guess could work. And then one of my favorite uh, new stars that got his ass kicked, actually, by Matt Riddle, but still just showed a lot of uh, charisma, was Eric Bugenheim. And they have now shortened his name to Rick Boogs. And I'm sure that's going to be just Boogs once he get makes it to the main uh, r- roster um, to fight with Elias over the same gimmick, basically. But, um, yeah, Chris, are you excited about all these amazing talents and their new names? Anyone stick well, out? Well, I mean, the, 
Yeah, I mean, the majority I didn't care. I mean, Crimson Grimes, I think it's fine. That seems like when they, when you have a name change, if you if you have a little bit of stock like Trevor Lee, um, similar to like Daniel Bryan, you get to submit a list of names that you, you might want to have, and then they kind of pick which one you have on there. So I'm sure he had some influence in it. That is probably the least offensive one <laughs> out of these because, you know, that name to me is fine. Um, the uh, Trevor Lee is kind of just a generic name anyways, and so I, that one I didn't have as much of a problem with. Guggenheim, that name fit his gimmick, so I'm not sure why they decided to change that, and Rick Bugis sounds like a 1980s jobber. Like, <laughs> it sounds like it's like, and in this corner, we have Andre the Giant. And in this corner, Rick Bugis. Like, I don't know. I, if he gets that over, then he, awesome. Like, I, I know his gimmick goes a long way, but damn, they really killed him with that name. That that name's fucking garbage. All right, we got two more. Our last two is two. I probably the, these are two of the probably the biggest names they've signed as of recently. Um, DJ Z, who is a great cruiserweight West wrestler, known for his his light show appearance on his uh, and on his attire and stuff like that. He is now Joaquin Wild. And Shane Strickland is Swerve Isaiah Scott. <laughs> Shane Strickland was a badass fucking name. So was DJZ. I know this is the art of WWE having to make them their own for action figure purposes and all that jazz, but what the fuck? Especially Joaquin Wild. I... From DJZ, I, it, that means that they're probably redoing this whole entire character. He looks very similar in the pictures to what he normally does. Still got the pink hair, the light up jacket, all that shit. And Shane Strickland, he's now, like I said, going to be Isaiah Scott. Chris, what do you think about those two names? You know what's really weird to me, and I, I just kind of realized this, all of the guys, all of the big guys that got name changes all have have won titles in Impact at some point, if I'm not mistaken, or have been either – DJZ was an Impact. Uh, yep. He was an X Division championship. Trevor Lee was an Impact. Shane Strickland. Shane Strickland was an Impact. So to me, it's almost like they don't believe that that name from Impact means anything in WWE anymore, uh, which, I mean, take that for what it is. But uh, I, DJZ, I don't mind them changing his name just because I'm. it's similar to TJP, who they just had there, and I didn't. I don't hate the name that they gave him. Shane Strickland was a badass name. Like, that just sounds like a, like a 1970s straight badass wrestler name. Um, so I'm kind of sad they changed his name, but uh, yep. Like I think I've talked about the ones that offended me the most. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, the, the DJZ one I didn't mind. Walking Wa- Wild does stand out as a name, especially with his entrance. And uh, I don't know, like it could be that could actually be a pretty fun name for that for that character. Um, but and, you know, after looking at this and like pulling these guys up and seeing, you know, the the, the one thing that they have in common is. His impact as of late from like 2016, 2018, 
Um, yep. That's interesting to say the least on why they would want to change that name. I wonder if maybe Impact owns some rights to their names or something in that contract. I'd be curious to see. It's really hard to tell with Vince because he goes through phases where he lets people keep their name, like Matt Riddle. But then there's other times where you can't, like, you know, uh, Brian Danielson became Daniel Bryan, which, I mean, worked out for Daniel Bryan, but it's a, uh, it's just weird. It, it's not ever consistent with that, with that kind of stuff. So I think then that they should not do what they're going to do with Shane Strickland and call him Strick Shaneland. I think that would actually make a lot of sense. <sighs> Whatever. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, to actually, no, we can start talking about NXT. That's pretty much all of our news items, guys. I also, this last week, I had two notes. If you guys want to check out a really cool, uh, well, unless you're marks that know everything, um, because then you're just gonna say this documentary is bullshit. There was a really cool Ronda Rousey documentary that might bring to light her not being this evil person from MMA that try to take over the world of wrestling and hates all those fucking people and shit. It's on a network. Yeah, it could be a political piece, uh, just making it look good, but that means that anything like that. And if you didn't think that beforehand, you just want to feed your narrative, go for it. But I would actually recommend seeing that. So the new 24. And also another person I get to think gets a lot of flack in the wrestling world. I don't know much about his in-ring work, but um, one of my favorite uh, wrestling interviewers, uh, Chris Van Vliet, had an interview with Ryback that I thought was really, um, really, really cool interview. So I just wanted to share that. But let's go and talk about TakeOver, Chris, because, you know, my God, man, for a lot of the stuff that we have to deal with, the fact that we get three weeks of the best three wrestling companies, I think, with AEW showing us they're they're technically their first, but really their second event, double or nothing. The next week, we had TakeOver. This week, we have Dominion. There's something else, too, but I don't remember what the fuck it is. It's like in Jetta or some shit. Um, just great wrestling, though. Great storytelling. Really playing out the the, uh, the 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 taking out the sports entertainment and making it more pro wrestling, just in general, uh, with all of them. And I thought that Double or Nothing had its faults. We went over that, but I also loved the majority of it. Takeover twenty five, the twenty fifth edition of Takeover. The post Dusty Rhodes era, uh, you know. NXT crowd, the Shawn Michaels era, if you will, since Triple H has always had a hand in all of it, and so has Regal. Um, but really, if you think about those two people and how much they influence one for the old era and two for the next era, if you will, that's how I kind of that's how I look at it. And this did not. Uh, it's like every freaking takeover, even the bad, like not even the bad matches, the, the matches that are not as good, for giving us just five matches, all of them usually are fun, they're good matches, and they progress the storylines that they've come forth in every one of their, their shows leading up to it in such an efficient way, and they only do these pay-per-views every so often, every couple of months. We'll, we won't see another TakeOver probably until SummerSlam. So before we get started, what did you think of TakeOver 25? I thought it was a really, really great show. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really great show. I, there was nothing on it that I hated. So that's awesome. Um, I really enjoyed watching it. it. It's it's sad that they can't take some of the t- some of the concepts they do on NXT and implement it into the main shows. That that's 
my takeaway from it. But I, I, I loved it. I thought it was a really fun show to watch and uh, definitely enjoyed the shit out of it. There were some really good matches on it. Well, look, Chris, if, if I could have it my way and I could get Dad to, like, go to the home or whatever we're trying to put him in, I would be doing that, implementing my uh, style uh, for the main roster. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> Triple H, everyone in creative, Sean for helping out with the matches. He, Oh, by the way, the two matches that Sean had the most work in uh, was – no, 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 the three – uh, was the ladder match, the North American Championship, and the main event between Johnny and and Adam Cole? Is that weird? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like my, my fucking lord! Uh, I, he probably had he probably had something to do with all of these matches because I know that uh, I'm pretty sure Riddle and Mar- and Roderick Strong are in his thing, and that was a great match. So let's start off. Matt Riddle going against Roderick Strong. I was wrong on this. I had Roderick winning. I think they're going to go a separate way, but still equal out the same thing. By SummerSlam, I feel like all of the uh, Undisputed Era will be draped in gold in some, some way. Um, there's rumors, though, that they're, they're going to be pulling up Adam Cole and Shayna Baszler soon. I don't know. Shayna Baszler can go without her two henchmen. They need to get better at their craft. That's nothing against a Maria Shafir or just a Duke. It's just true. They're, they're very new to the system. They need to get better at their craft so they can be you know, much more power players once they get to the main. Shayna is ready. Adam Cole needs the Undisputed Era with him. If that whole entire rumor that Dave's talking about, that they want to pull them up after SummerSlam, I don't know how I feel about that, Chris. I, I kind of want Adam Cole to stay in NXT and come up as a unit on SmackDown with the Undisputed Era. Do you think they're going to fuck that up and try to just do him separately? It's very possible. Um, I would no! prefer them to come up. I would. I'm on the same page as you. I would prefer them to come up as a unit, but then they got to find something for four dudes to do instead of one dude, and they have a hard enough time getting fucking people. Like, where the fuck is Chad Gable? Where's Kerry Zane? Where's Oscar? Where's Rusev? Where's Nakamura? Like, that would be my worry about bringing where's, them all up. Where's ha- the War Raiders or the the Viking Raiders, <laughs> the Viking Experience, or the War Hammers, or the War Gods, whatever the fuck their name are. Where's EC3 minus chasing behind Archer? Uh, poor EC3. <laughs> you see what I'm I saying? So that's, I mean, ho- hopefully they could bring them up and do something with them, but that you know that's the other side of that knife is now you have four dudes you have to do something with, and you're putting it in the hands of Vince and, and creative once they get to the main roster. So I could see them just bringing up uh, like uh, bringing up Adam Page, baby, because he is the biggest – I think he's the biggest star in that group, obviously. But that group Adam Cole. is a really is a really strong faction, and they work really well together, and there's a lot of cool shit you could do with them. It's just my faith in them doing anything good that involves tag teams or anything good that involves mid-card, especially with the wild-card rule where they're just using main event stars for – I would say 60% to 70% of their shows each week. Um, it's going to be really hard to do with a faction unless you're just going to have them do beatdowns each week. Um, so that would be the only, see, that would be the only caveat to that. And I, I feel like triple H could see that and say, all right, I'll give you Adam Cole and I can find a lot of shit for these guys in NXT to do. Um, so yeah. I don't know that that's my only thought on it really. Raise their stock individually. Let Adam Cole go to Maine. Show it. Build a name for himself. Yeah, I, I definitely get you on that. Um, I would prefer them to show up, take people out, 
really like show their and on SmackDown because I think Raw is going to be a different platform to have to deal with. Obviously, the, their size obviously would be some of the reasoning for that. Um, but yeah, and then inevitably, I think that them versus the New Day would be a really interesting feud. Um, I don't know if New Day would have to grab someone else to be a part of it. Maybe Gargano gets pulled up and they can kind of bring that whole entire thing because I feel like recently Gargano has been the sting to the um, the Undisputed Era's Four Horsemen, if you will. Like that foil that won't fucking stupid baby face and tense and won't shut the fuck up and then we have to keep on messing with them. Well, they fucking won tonight! Spoilers. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, either way, Let's start off at the top of the uh, card itself. We, like I said, had a match between Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong. Dude, Matt, Roderick Strong, for his size, has to be one of the best, like, just just efficient workers, but also one of the stiffest workers, unless he can prove me that he's not as stiff as he looks. Man, the shit that he does annihilates. And really, another match where not only he looked good, even though he lost, but Matt Riddle looked like a million bucks. I had Roderick Strong, like I said, uh, to win this. He did not. Matt Riddle did get the best of him. Uh, and I have to say, man, I know that if if he can kind of tame and, and do a bit more with the, the whole stoner gimmick, I think he could be money on the main roster. I really, I really think that he could be a very good asset because of how easily he's picked up wrestling. But the end of it, this new move, which is the Goth Neutralizer, it's like a combination of the Goth, uh, the 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 Gotch Pile Driver, uh, mixed with almost like a, uh, a uh, what's what's AJ Styles move? The uh, God damn it, um, a Styles Clash. Uh, you know they fall forward basically, but Riddle won uh, back and forth match with the Bro Derek is what he's calling him, which is an inverted Goth Gotch Neutralizer. Well, how'd you feel about this match? I thought it was a hard hitting match. Fucking awesome. Technical in places. These guys beat the living shit out of each other, especially the knee strikes. I mean, I think Roderick Strong, right underneath Kenny Omega, has to have some of the most lethal knee strikes up there with Aleister Black and uh, Buddy Murphy and Matt Riddle, actually. Yeah, he definitely he definitely lays his shit in, which is great. I, um, I love Riddle starting the match off by like, just kicking his flip-flops off and then just hitting three fucking gut wrench suplexes right off the bat. Like I thought that was a good way to start that match. Hard hitting match all the way through the bro Derek, which is like, like you said, it, it's basically, I mean, it's like, it's an inverted gotch neutralizer, but I'd almost like, if you're trying to, if you haven't watched this and you're trying to picture it in your head, think of like a tombstone with a cradle. It's like a cradle tombstone pile driver almost, but it's, it's, it's a little weird, um, but it looks fucking awesome and it's unique, which is cool. Uh, that B trigger that riddle hit was super nasty where he hit the V-trigger into the power bomb. Uh, great match, man. Uh, I don't really have anything negative to say about this. I don't think they did too much, and it's, uh, it was a good opening match leading into, uh, obviously leading into this ladder match, which is going to be fucking nuts. So they didn't get the crowd up too high and take away from what the ladder match was going to, going to uh, be, which goes a long way. And Matt Riddle, I, I want him to dial his shit back up to, like, 11 and let him let, – like he's on Twitter right now, he's still calling himself the King of Bros. Just let him be the King of Bros. I, th- I think the trying to dumb it down a little bit is actually making it less effective. And uh, I, I, opposite of being like cool stoner like RVD, I go like full RVD heel and just be annoying as shit stoner bro dude. 
which I think is kind of like the perfect fit until he has a reason to become a, a pure baby face. But I, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I would love to see them work again kind of higher up on the card. But as far as an opening match goes, I don't think you could ask for anything better than this, honestly. No, great opening match to set everything. Um, and the second match, man, that we're about to talk to, I think was the match of the night. Um, ladder matches can get really, really messy. I thought actually at TLC they performed a great ladder match at the end of that uh, with the men's ladder match. Felt so bad for Finn Balor. Holy shit. In the NXT Tag Team Championship, uh, the vacant uh, Tag Team Champions, we had the Street Profits, Forgotten Sons, Undisputed Error, and Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. And playing the role of Finn Balor in this was Kyle O'Reilly from the Undisputed Era, who, so many situations, got fucking drived into a ladder um, that completely just took off pieces of his back. Uh, if you see the photos, you'll see that. Then had another ladder hurled at him and hit him in the face. And then there was a couple other spots that I can't remember exactly parts, but really at the end of this, I was like, I don't want to be Kyle O'Reilly tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't want to be Finn Balor after his match. They were literally the ones that got annihilated the most, but my Lord, back and forth. You didn't know. They got to the point where you did not know who was going to win. I thought the Forgotten Sons were going to win on one part. I thought the Undisputed Era had it. I even thought that Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch got it. Inevitably, we had the Forgotten Sons uh, have the titles won, but Angelo Dawkins speared Steve Cutler by running under the ladder, and Montez Ford, who is money, another person up there with Riddle and Velveteen Dream that I can do, think will do a lot on the main roster if treated right. Uh, Montez Ford um, jumped from the corner to the ladder to knock down Wesley Blake and win the match. Street Profits are the new NXT Tag Team Champions. I was wrong on this match, too. I had the Undisputed Era. I thought this was like a foregone conclusion. Chris. Um, but I think my next – I said I wish that only Lorcan and Danny Burch would get the titles, but if Undisputed Era doesn't win, I'm pretty sure I said that Street Profits are probably the next people up. What did you think of this match itself and the winners? How is – I was completely wrong. I think I got the Matt Riddle one right, but I was completely wrong on this uh, prediction. I, I did not expect the Street Profits to get it. I thought it was a really, really nice moment. The crowd lost their shit when they won. Um, it was a great match. These ladder spots where the ladder is set up upright and they just take a bump on the side of the ladder, basically, I, that scares the shit out of me. Because if you remember when Shawn Michaels really hurt his back, headed into the Austin match against Taker, he barely touched a coffin with his back, like barely hit it. And these people are doing spots like this, like on their lower back, landing on these ladders. And I, I think Brian Alvarez is the one that pointed this out. And that shit is scary. Um, I could do with a little less of that, but the rest of the match was awesome. I mean, there's so many cool fucking spots. These guys seem like they were going to kill each other <laughs> in this match. I would almost say more balls than brains in certain spots, but, uh, it was fucking entertaining to say the least. And, you know, I, 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 I not, it's not that I'm shitting on any of the performers in this match. Some of the shit was just a little uncomfortable to watch uh, in the same way as like Kenny Omega giving Okada a dragon suplex off the top rope, <laughs> kind of uncomfortable. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, the fuck, this match was entertaining. It had a great finish. I thought all the guys in the match looked fucking great. 
you have a good tag team division going on right now in NXT, especially if Undisputed Era is going to stay around for a while. Uh, just good. I mean, great match. Probably my favorite match of the night, honestly, outside of just some of the spots making me a little uncomfortable and worried about people's health. Yeah, I would agree. Some of that shit was extremely vicious, but still, great match. I like the part where um, Riker came out, and apparently with uh, Riker, Triple H said to him, with his whole entire involvement with uh, the Forgotten Sons and that faction, that he was like the Terminator. Like, they throw as much as they can at him, and he still gets up. I think he did a good job to create a distraction kind of change up the momentum and also make people think at first that the Forgotten Sons are going to win because of him. And actually just showed how tough he was, and then they kicked the shit out of him and basically got to the point where he couldn't get up. I think that, I don't remember, it was like back-to-back. Someone did a tope on him, and then someone did like a suicide dive, and he was done finally with his Terminator state. But either way, fantastic ladder match. Uh, Like I said, it's very hard to pull off great ladder matches. NXT... Usually, it doesn't matter, as gimmick as a ladder match is, they know how to tell a story still within it. Especially with tag teams. That's very hard to fucking do. So, pick up on them. Then we had the North American Championship match. All right, so this back and forth was fun. If you've been watching NXT outside of TakeOver, Velveteen Dream was doing his whole thing about, like, no one can beat me, who the hell is my competition, and we had Prince Pretty um, make his return to NXT, and apparently... He asked to come back to NXT, and they granted him that, so I think that Tyler Breeze will be back on that platform going forward, which is really interesting uh, based on, you know, what's going on with WWE. I wonder if anyone will try to do that as well. Either way, he came out, challenged Velveteen Dream for the NXT title, um, said that Dream was, you know, he did that whole entire persona that Dream's doing way beforehand. They got into it. I love that Velveteen Dream called him the greater value version of Velveteen Dream because in response to that, if you guys don't know what greater value is, that's the Walmart brand. Uh, that's their generic brand off everything at their, their stores. Well, Walmart tweeted that <laughs> – this is so awesome. Whoever the fuck was in the department at Walmart – by the way, I hate your fucking the, – the, the, the workers at the stores, they're, they're terrible. Your customer service fucking sucks. Hilarious whoever's in the fucking department working on their Twitter though. Uh, they put a thing that said that in response to, you know, Dream saying that Tyler Tyler uh, Breeze was the greater value version of Velveteen Dream. There's they said that Tyler Breeze was kicking ass or or something on to, to that extent. Tyler Breeze was doing amazing things in NXT when Patrick Clark was in hot tubs on Tough Enough. So. Big ups to you guys, Walmart. Like I said, your customer service sucks, but whoever's got that Twitter game, on point. Great match. Both guys are great wrestlers. Probably wasn't the greatest match of the night, but still just very well done. Um, and it just, it, just, it just shows you the future of Velveteen Dream, I think, as a performer. I love the ending. I hate the ending and love the ending. I hate it in the sense that all Charlie Breeze had to do was roll back out, and he would have killed the clock. And he tried so hard to get Velveteen Dream in the, back in the ring. Uh, that didn't happen. He was trying to go back and forth to the referee. Velveteen Dream came in, snuck up, did the uh, whatever the hell it's called, like the Dream Valley Driver, Purple Rainmaker. Then he won the match. And after the match, Breeze and Dream took a selfie together, 
which was interesting. I was kind of half wanting them to extend the feud, but then realized that Velveteen Dream's got to get that, that title on Roderick Strong or someone else in the near future, I think, because I want to see him on the main title, you know, uh, that, that, that thing going forward. So, still, fun match. Chris, what do you think? I, I enjoyed the match. Um, it's definitely a better version of Tyler Breeze than we've seen in a long time. It's not the same level as he was during his first run of NXT. I think that's going to take him a little bit more time. I'm really happy to see him back in NXT, and I would actually be fine with them doing a a rubber match here or a second match and having Tyler Breeze win this title um, just because I feel like there's a lot more you could do with Dream. And uh, hopefully – I, I don't know where Fandango is at in the world, but a rebranded Fandango on NXT to set up a feud between those two could be a hell of a lot of fun, especially since they don't have anything for him, for them to do on the main roster. So hopefully they'll do something like that. The match itself I thought was really, really fun. I liked the uh, – obviously they don't do too many time limit draws. This was – so was this a time limit draw or a countout? I can't remember because I know Dream rolled no. outside of the ring. Dream, they couldn't get him and, in. Tyler Breeze came in. He started bitching at the referee, said he would not – instead of just going back out, which would have broke the count, he started bitching at the referee because he was worried he was going to get to a 10 count. Now the team Dream came in, gave him the Death Valley driver, went and did the elbow and got okay. the win. Okay, yeah. I, I'm trying to, I was trying to remember the – I remember they were doing a lot with the countouts in this match, and they teased it like two or three times headed into it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a pretty good match overall. Uh, I thought Breeze looked good in his kind of his first return. The only thing I would say is the they didn't do a whole lot to set up this match. I think it was only one episode to build this entire thing of of NXT. Um, they could have probably done more, but it was a uh, it was it was good. It, it's it's kind of in a weird spot on the card because it's right after the very high of that ladder match and all the crazy shit that just happened, and then they went out there and they just had a good wrestling match. Um, Seventeen Dreams amazing. I'm really excited to see what they do with Tyler Breeze. I hope he does stick around, and I hope that they do this more with people they don't have anything to fucking do with on the main roster because it doesn't hurt anything. And in fact, like if you bring someone like Rusev down to have a really good match with someone, I think uh, as I've talked about in the past, I think that's a great way to utilize your talent when you have nothing for them to do other than them standing around backstage um, or chasing after our truth. Like Matt Hardy, you don't have anything for him to do. Have him have a match with someone. Like fuck, Jesus! It's not that hard. <laughs> so, but it, it's really weird that, that Tyler Breeze even asked to go man. back. Yeah, I, I, you have so many different things that you could do that would be so fun with these guys that you have nothing for them to do. Um, and I think, and like I said, I think that helps put over the NXT title, especially if they're getting a win. Like if someone gets a, if Adam Cole goes against Shinsuke, they have a good match and he gets a win. That's still a big deal. That's a former NXT champion. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, do, fucking do something with these guys. And, and I'm not saying, obviously, don't flood NXT with these guys, but this is definitely something that you can do, you know, every three months or so, bring someone down and, and make a meaningful feud. So I enjoyed this from that concept. I think it is weird Tyler Breeze asked to go back to NXT. Um, I wonder if that affected his contract at all. That That's the downside is because when you – Move up to the main roster from NXT, you sign a new contract completely, and you get paid differently, obviously. Um, I wonder if that affected his contract at all when he got sent down. 
And uh, outside of that, I would love to see when Fandango finally comes back being repackaged and coming into NXT. Because they, they saddled him with that shit name. And I think if he went to NXT and had a good feud with Breeze and had some good matches with other people with a different gimmick, that, Absolutely. that you could, you might be able to erase the Fandango thing. Or at least make it you fun. Know, <laughs> you know, someone suggested this. Instead of – well, I understand that it was all probably because like – I, like I joked about with the whole Dolph Ziggler fighting Kofi Kingston um, – that it was probably like, take your champion, put him against Shawn Michaels. And they were like, well, here's Dolph Ziggler. Like, I love Dolph Ziggler, but I'm just saying, from what the fucking Saudi Arabian prince has requested beforehand, I wouldn't doubt if that was the original reasoning for what the fuck happened. But could you imagine if they gave that opportunity, instead of being Dolph Ziggler who attacked Kofi, if it was a repackaged Fandango that wasn't saying the same thing, but, like, came out, beat the living shit out of him, and, did it, like, just to give him an oomph, like... That, he's such a good wrestler, and they've done diddly shit since they had him go against Chris Jericho and win the IC title. Yeah, it's it's actually unfortunate. I mean, they saddled him with that shit gimmick. Even Chris Jericho at the time said it was a shit gimmick, but they still went out and had like the best match they could in the middle of a WrestleMania. Um, and I know, like Tyler Breeze and Fandango made the best out of kind of a shitty situation and won the tag team championship and had very inner. Very entertaining vignettes. It's just unfortunate because out of those two, uh, like uh, Tyler Breeze is probably a little bit better in the ring when he's in practice. I mean, this guy hasn't had a match in like six or seven months, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe well, outside of house shows. Impressive based on his size. He's about six five, six six. Fucking his size great and his body. look, and I can't and I can't believe they saddled him with that gimmick. And he's good in the ring. I think he could repackage that dude and do something really fun. But it, like I said, it, this match was was what it was. I thought it was a good match. There wasn't anything bad about it. Um, it just, you know, out of the – there's so much good shit on this card. This one kind of was just like, oh, that was a good Sweet wrestling real match. real good shit. <laughs> that was a good wrestling match. That's what I can say about it. I mean, if, you, if you're only able to watch one match – on this entire show, for whatever reason, this wouldn't be the one I would pick, even though I'm a huge Velveteen no. Dream fan. No, it wouldn't be this one. It wouldn't be the next one, even though I thought it was also another great match. If you're if you're not a fan of Shayna Baszler and you think that she's terrible, then you probably want to stop listening. Um, NXT Women's Championship match, Shayna Baszler defeated Io Shirai. See, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was very back and forth. Shayna, people keep on saying, Chris, that she's the female Baron Corbin, and I always say that's bullshit. She's the female Samoa Joe, if anything. Like, she is literally ruthless. She will take you out. She doesn't do anything too fancy, um, but she's still an efficient wrestler in the ring, great grappler. And Io Shirai is a great person to be working after because she's an incredible all-around great worker. And I like the ending where she had her two friends come out, the other two horsewomen, and then Candace came out to back out. Io Shirai, she brought out the fucking, my lord, Candice is a badass, Candice LeRae is a badass, but her with a kendo stick, man, she destroyed those two women on the side of the fucking ring, broke the shit out of the damn kendo stick, uh, they went back and forth later in the ring, she went for her, her uh, or Io, I should say, went for her moonsault, and she got put right pretty much into the, uh, the, the clutch, and uh, once again, Shayna Baszler retains the title, which I thought was crazy. I thought that this was going to be the time to go to Io Shirai. But then at the end of it, Io Shirai 
asked, uh, you know, for first the kendo stick, then she asked for a chair, and then so she kendo she kendo uh, stick I should say kendo stick the shit out of Shayna Baszler, came beat her up some more, asked for the chair, and then pulled a sabu and did a fucking moonsault with the fucking chair on Shayna. Their feud is not done. I think EO is going to finally win against Shayna Baszler. After that happens, I do think Shayna will be going to Maine to be that dominant force. I thought this match was awesome. I had a lot of fun with it, uh, and I enjoyed both both women. I like the story around the ring, too, with the other ladies involved. Uh, what did you think? I think Io Shirai is fucking awesome, and I loved the aftermath of this match more than the actual match. Not that the match was bad or anything, but seeing Io kind of flip a switch and go batshit crazy on Shayna was awesome. It kind of gave her a little bit more to her character. They haven't done a lot to build her character other than showing that she's great in the ring and, and showing that she has this level to go against Shayna, who's kind of been an unstoppable force in Shayna's friends, um, was awesome. I think that's a good move for them. I think you're right. Once EO wins, it doesn't make any sense for Shayna to stick around. I don't get the comparison of her and Baron Corbin either. And also, like... It's really easy to shit on Baron Corbin because he's been shoved down your throats or our throats in general for the past six months in the main event. But when he was in NXT, people didn't hate him as much. So nope. I just keep that in mind, <laughs> everyone. I like just remember that he's not the one asking to be booked the way he's being booked. <laughs> Some things are a little out of other like performers' controls and. I, I'm not saying like I love Baron Corbin or that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think he's probably a high-level mid-carder at best, and they're pushing him at the top heel, which isn't his fucking fault. But to me, Shayna has been the top superstar, female superstar of NXT for a long time and, and kind of held that position, and she's what they need to, to build people up. I think they sent Carrie Zane up too soon, in all honesty, especially because they don't have dick all for her to do. But she fits a perfect role going in. I don't think that she's going to be a Baron Corbin-esque once she hits the main roster just because they don't have a legitimate threat for Becky, and now you at least have someone that can step into that role, especially if you're going to keep Becky on Monday Night Raw and not have her go after you know Charlotte. I think she would be a tremendous person to put against Becky on Raw. I think that would be a very good person for her to go to. I mean, dude, Shayna is up there in the top three to me of like Bailey, Asuka, Shayna's right. If Asuka's number one, she's probably fighting for number two, if not number two, right underneath Bailey's for NXT Women's Championship. So people can be all pissy and just get into the fact that she's a heel and get mad at her, I guess. But it's whatever. It's fine. She's she's not pretty in the ring, especially compared to like an Io Shirai, but she's a great person to put against someone like an Io Shirai or anyone. She's She's proven that in the past. So... I think I think that that Shayna is great. I think that she'll have another great match for NXT Takeover, and then she'll be off to be a dominant force within the women's division uh, on Raw or SmackDown, and she'll probably get pushed. Um, but yeah, like I said, female Samoa Joe to me, not the female Baron Corbin. And I don't hate Baron Corbin a lot, like how Chris just stated either. I'm just going against like what fucking social media says, which I probably shouldn't even uh, cater towards, but whatever. All right, so then we had uh, the announcements. Very, very back-to-back AEW announcements, if you will. NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff was announced for August 31st. Just to let everyone know that wants to create drama, Triple H, and I believe him, he made these events 
way in advance, but that happens to be the same exact day that AEW All Out. I don't think it's anything. If this is NXT, I would think it's a big deal. It's NXT UK who has a very smaller audience. Over in the UK, it's a lot more popular than over here, but still, it's early in the day, so if anything, just look at the fact that you'll have a great UK NXT uh, pay-per-view followed by uh, the the AEW All Out pay-per-view. Right afterwards, though, coincidentally, they showed that Stephanie McMahon was there, and she was all happy, awkwardly pointing at a Macho Man shirt, which I'm not going to even go into the reference of why that's weird. And in the background, uh, Britt Baker, who is Adam Cole's uh, lovely, I think, fiancé or girlfriend, who is a part of AEW, was giving some eat shit looks, either purposely or unintentionally. Uh, she seems like a very nice lady, so it doesn't seem like she has resting bitch face or anything like that. So maybe she was kind of like giving the camera like a little bit of like, doesn't she think she's cool? I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to look into it too much, but I thought it was still uh, interesting. Uh, did you did you note either one of those things, Chris? I, honestly, I kind of just scanned through this. <laughs> Um, I will say about the takeover, like I would pay that no mind because in in my, in my thoughts, you're booking these arenas way ass ahead of time. Just because you haven't announced the show doesn't mean that this shit wasn't already in the works. So it, to me, it doesn't matter. I think it's a good idea to have Pete Dunn versus Walter. (laughs) It's like Triple H is like, he's like, all right, what Tim wins all out. Okay, that's what we're doing UK. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, the biggest fucking people on your roster are Tyler Bate, fucking uh, Walter, and Pete Dunne. No one, a lot of American audience has no idea the fucking the rest of the goddamn people. Most of them that watch yeah. NXT, they're def- they, they might not even know who the fuck these people are. I mean, what, does it even fucking matter, though? As wrestling fans, you get two fucking great shows back-to-back. Exactly. Because this shit's only going to be two hours long, and then you're going to get a two-hour break for dinner, and then you get to go watch All Out. <laughs> so I don't I, – I saw this on the internet too, and I'm like, why are people freaking out about it? It just seems like a coincidence more than anything else. Um, and, and the fact that you know that for the first time in a long time, WWE you – know, WWE always does their NXT shows on Saturday. It's, it's been that way for a long period of time. This isn't anything fucking new. It just happens that AEW also does their shows on Saturday, and this is how the events lined up. And like you said, it doesn't matter. One's at 3 o'clock and one's at 7 o'clock. In, in fact, as a wrestling fan, I get to do nothing all day Saturday except for watch good wrestling, which I look forward to fucking in comparison awesome to watching wrestling. Monday. Yeah, watching Monday Night Raw versus SmackDown each week instead this that Saturday I get to watch five good hours of wrestling. Put put me tag me in, Coach. I'm looking forward to it. It's like these idiots think that Triple H was chilling on the fucking throne, going, "All right, what the hell? What's going on? Yeah, oh, oh shit, what is? What, 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 oh wait, All Out's gonna be on the 31st. Fuck that, UK." No, I'm sorry, that didn't I mean, happen like that. I mean, if they were gonna do, if they were gonna, if they, were, if you're gonna run one for one, if they really it's thought NXT. it was that big of a fucking deal, then you would do NXT and you would book like the biggest matches you could think of, and you would bring someone down like Finn Balor to wrestle Adam Page. You do, you would make a spectacle of it, and you're like, we're gonna give every one of these matches 20 minutes, and we're gonna do crazy shit and show that we're the better wrestling company. They may get there. That may happen at some point, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think this was an intentional one. And if you're going to do it, it's not going to be the NXT UK. It's going to be your NXT guys, and you're going to book the hell out of it, and you're probably going to pull a couple rabbits out of your hat because you're Triple H. 
if if you're really going to be like, here's my big dick, take a look at it kind of thing. You know, I got some big balls, Randy. Um, <laughs> uh, that was actually a really good promo. I want to I want to say because we're not going to be going over SmackDown Raw that I thought the back and forth, especially what you could tell, was probably improv between uh, Randy Orton and, and uh, Triple H was great. And Bill Goldberg, man, fucking usually sucks on the goddamn mic. I don't know what the hell he's been doing, but he actually had a pretty damn good promo on SmackDown uh, before his back and forth with The Undertaker. I thought that was actually pretty decent stuff. Hey, it's it's really funny that you can tell these guys might have gone a little bit off script. Uh, isn't that weird, Chris? You know? Yeah, I mean, well, Goldberg has it written in his contract. He can basically say whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> they just kind of give him keynotes to hit. And I thought he did great, and I loved when The Undertaker comes out. Even like I, – I, there's been a couple of podcasts where I listened to where they pointed this out, but normally when The Undertaker comes out, they back down. Even if they're Brock Lesnar, they back down. Goldberg just fucking looked at him and laughed, which I thought was great. It just sucks that it led to uh, – well, you haven't watched it yet, but it, it led to kind of an okay match. But as far as the promo and the build-up for it, like, it was like one of the best things on their products as far as like your main TV shows go. And you, you got a good point. Like Randy Orton and Triple H can say whatever the fuck they want going into this match. Same thing with Goldberg. He cut a good fucking promo. I think that just further, further points out to the, the Moxley shit where it's like, hey, man, sometimes you just got to let the wrestler be a wrestler. Like, you can give them shit that you want them to say and let them do it their own way. Don't, like, don't have Aleister Black sitting in a dark room reading out of the fucking thesaurus for three hours. Ugh, I still think, I mean, I understand they have to, you know, go with Saudi Arabia's, or, you know, the Saudi Arabian prince of what he wants, and he's, like, booking this whole entire thing. But... If you got Goldberg and Undertaker, I wish they would have elevated some other, you know, people that are in there. If you had Goldberg go against Lars Sullivan and put him over, or Undertaker versus Aleister Black and put him over, it wouldn't really be beneficial because I know I'm going to watch two guys. I already know that, that Goldberg's limited in the ring. Undertaker's not, but obviously because of his age he is. And then you take the fact that Goldberg's aged. Like, I feel like we're going to get these super match dream matches. I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, even – if we saw Sting versus Undertaker, but it's at the point where we don't even want it. It's going to be like a fucking, like two guys that are older and hurt and can't do as much. Just like the fucking DX versus the Brothers of Destruction match, which was a travesty. It, it, it's, uh, it's bittersweet, you know? It, it's like it was, playing the video it, game on, on legend mode. I, I feel really bad for that match in particular because – Overall, it was decent, the Brothers of Destruction versus DX match. You have to remember that Triple H tore his peck like a minute into the fucking match. And Dude, Sean and, and probably and Sean wasn't it. Monsters. Yeah, Sean didn't expect to like sell the entire match, which, I mean, Sean always sells a lot, but he had to fucking carry that match, him and Kane, because Triple H is hurt and Undertaker's not where he used to be. <laughs> And Sean hadn't wrestled in like a year and a half or whatever, oh, or like what? No, even Think longer than that. that. Like was it was like ten years or some shit. Yeah, like for what that oh. was, I thought they did really well. Especially since you going in, I was like, well, it's gonna be fine because Triple H and Kane are gonna carry the match, and you'll get Sean and Undertaker spots reminiscent of their matches at Mania. But then like Triple H gets in the ring and tears his peck off like a minute in. Oh. <laughs> and it was like a, 
shit, we got to call it Audible. <laughs> so I don't give them as much shit for that match as I guess some other other people do. I think for what that but was, you understand it was fine. What I mean, thing about if you could have it your way, elevating newer stars with these legends instead of having the legends go against each other in a really crap match, you know, that's slow. I don't know. I mean, We're not talking I, about showdown. I, I totally, we are talking about showdown. I, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%. There's a good way to use these guys, but right now they're giving Undertaker a winning streak. He's won his last, like, six matches. So I'm assuming they're going to give him a streak and then try to put someone over, probably at Mania. If you're going to do it, that would make sense. Um, and also, like, you know, as cool as it would be to, like, just have Aleister Black beat Undertaker, he's not been on the TV since he was in a tag team with Ricochet losing yeah. each week. So uh, it's who do you I don't even know if they know they're going to push answer him. his call. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, you know, you're right about everything too. Like, so Alistair Black's been calling out someone. He wants someone to answer his call of like a, now there's a good chance that Vince is going to forget about him and we're not going to see him for another couple of months. But if they have something in place, who do you think is going to call out Alistair Black and finally start a feud with them? Lars Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, I mean are, are you going are you going to build Alistair Black as a baby? If you're building him as a baby face, then I guess you would go Lars Sullivan and have him beat Lars Sullivan. Either that, or you wait until Bray comes back. You give Bray some wins, and then you do Alistair versus well, Bray because they fucking love being like, let's put the supernatural guys together. Uh, that doesn't help either one of them. <laughs> it would it would screw over either Bray or Alistair in that scenario too. But I agree yeah, with so, you. I, mean, I think they would do that. I, either that, or you know. He's not really on a br- – I mean, I guess he's technically on a brand, but it doesn't fucking matter. So I would say probably Drew McIntyre or Lars Sullivan. You just need to give them meaningful yeah. wins. Maybe get Drew the fuck away from Shane McMahon um, as quick oh, as possible. Uh, but God. right now, if you had to pick one, you give Lars Sullivan some more meaningful wins. Maybe give him the icy belt, and then Alistair challenges him, and you just keep Alistair on cool until then. And then you have Alistair roundhouse kick the shit out of him. And that makes a big impact, and then they can go back and forth or whatever. But that would that would either that or Roman Reigns, and you just have Alistair beat Roman if you think Alistair can be your next yeah. guy. But I mean, it's not well, gonna hurt Roman. Weird. He just lost. He just lost the fucking Shane McMahon today, so it's not like it's gonna hurt his stock any. <laughs> well, Jeez. yeah, no shit. Wait, he did what? Oh God, I wish I didn't hear that. Oh <sighs> man. Sorry, spoiler well, alert. The get, no, I don't even give a fuck about the spoilers. The fact that that was booked is absolutely mind-boggling. Holy shit. Oh. Oh, you're going to love Lord. you're right, going to well, love this uh super showdown, bro. <laughs> I don't even want to watch it. This is stupid. I'm mad now. <laughs> Fucking dumb. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm about to go Jim Cornette on this bullshit. How the fuck are they going to have Shane beat fucking Roman? Do you want – oh, my God. I'm not going to even go into this. If you want to make Roman get booed, do this. This is a smart thing to do. Don't let him be himself. Make him say something stupid like suffering suck a fucking tash again. Please. Have him lose to shit. Uh, I don't even care if there was outside interference. Like, what the fuck? If he's your guy, why the – oh, my God. Oh, my God. You you know, the crazy crazy part is, is, like, Shane's like undefeated for his last like six or seven matches. Oh my god! <laughs> He's got wins they over turned, the Miz turned, and Roman Reigns. They turn one of the greatest heels to become a babyface to feud with him 
just to do absolutely nothing and go into nothingness. And now they have indeed one of the biggest guys on the roster that they don't know what to fucking do with, but they want to push to the top. I mean, like I said, I sent you that Dave, that Dave Meltzer review I about bring any tequila. <laughs> Honest to God, I don't think Vince Russo could have booked that last seven minutes worse worse than that. I'm at a loss for words. You don't. I mean, like Meltzer will say when things are bad, but he doesn't. I've never heard him openly bury anything in the past like five years. And he fucking that's a hard burial uh... of what this show was, and it wasn't just that match. There's some stuff with Lesnar you're gonna hate. Uh, definitely check it out. It's really good. It's it's equal to or better than WrestleMania. <laughs> Clearly, Sammy wasn't bad this year. I'm not gonna even believe that shit. Holy fuck! <laughs> fuck me running. All right. Well, now that we talked about all that horse shit, uh, there is our uh, our breakdown of Super Showdown. There'll be more, unfortunately, this Wednesday. Let's get to a good <laughs> wrestling match. All right, as much as you complain about the fault at this match, and I completely understand anyone that does, because I also did too, of the fact of how many fucking finishing style moves can you do towards the end over and over again. Still, this match was fucking phenomenal. I think it was better than their their, uh, two out of three match. You had Adam Cole going against Johnny Gargano in an NXT championship match. It was a fucking brutal fight between these two. And they both brought it. And I love – one of my favorite I, – I, it's, it's very reminiscent of – I think this happened with Kenny and Okada where Kenny went for a V trigger to the back of Okada's head. No, no, no. That's what it was. Okada went for um, the uh, uh, Rainmaker, and Kenny fell out of exhaustion before he could nail him. Same thing happened to this, sort of. Um, I, I saw a million uh, Panama Sunrises, by the way, by the way. Really innovative, cool ways of doing it, too. Uh, but, yeah, so he kept on uh, – Adam kept on going for the last shot. And one of the last times, after Johnny already ate, I think, two of them. By the way, this is the same Johnny that lost the first bout to that same move. But whatever. I'll move, I'll move on from that last match. This is a new match in front of us. Whatever. But he fell down from exhaustion the second time that Adam Cole went to go nail him with it. But, yeah. Adam Cole really stood out in this match. Johnny's amazing. Johnny's amazing at selling. He's great at everything, but, I mean, these are two of the best wrestlers they have. They really are. Johnny, like I said, reminds me in a lot of ways of Ricky Steamboat. He reminds me in a lot of ways of Sting. He's just that fucking cool, intense baby face. Maybe more Sting than Steamboat then, because Ricochet is more like that, like like lovable. Like, I don't think Johnny's lovable. People still... Kind of get annoyed by him sometimes. Oh, they didn't with Sting. It doesn't matter. Fuck off with my comparisons. Don't you? Don't you dare tell me I can't think the way I think. <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry. Uh, but Johnny's an intense guy. I think that everyone was like, "Well, fuck it. You know, whoever wins wins. Let's just have a badass match." I know that's exactly what I was thinking. I saw Adam Cole winning. He did. Uh, Johnny kind of had a lackluster championship run. But don't put him on the back burner. I think we're going to see him do some great things. Um, I'm hoping they don't pull him up, though, because that terrifies me for everything that we said beforehand. Unless we can somehow get him in a feud with Daniel Bryan, just the two of them. Um, I know that I, I think Daniel Bryan's a tag team right now. I don't know what the fuck they are. But heel Daniel Bryan and babyface Johnny Gar- Gargano, this new intense version that's got a little bit of an edge, I think will be a lot of fun as a program together. If they don't immediately do that, though, I'm scared. They've already got so many fucking – they've got Ali, they've got Ricochet, they've got so many, like, 
in the first time in a long time, like very strict baby faces, Kofi. So I think Johnny might get lost in the shuffle. I hope this proves that for some, please God, let Vince have seen this match and see how great of workers these two are. And please let Sean like uncross his eyes and talk to Vince and be like, seriously, these are two of the best guys I fucking train. Please don't fuck them up. Um, after he gets off the phone with Ric Flair, but that's another story for another day. Chris, what did you think about this match? Oh, by the way, I like the match. I like the match a lot. There's some really great spots. Uh, funny enough, one of my favorite spots in the match is Gargano locked on the Gargano escape like midway through, and Adam Cole like re- he reversed it into a figure four, um, and and Gargano was already selling his knee. And I, I thought yeah. that was like some of the best selling that they had in the match. Uh, outside of that, I, you know, my complaints are probably the same as some of the others. Like, you get hit with a Canadian destroyer on the concrete or on the floor, you shouldn't get up as quick as Gargano did. Like, just nitpicky shit. But outside of that, this was a fucking great match. Like, not my favorite of the night. Definitely my second favorite of the night. It was a badass match. Adam Cole's fucking amazing. Gargano's amazing. I agree with you. I don't. I don't. To me, now's the chance where you can kind of get more of that baby face flair back with Gargano because you can have him just having to fight the Undisputed Era week after week after week, leading to him getting his title back. Because I don't think right now is the right time to pull him up, uh, especially with where the main roster is and, and kind of how those shows are right now, where you literally have to put Lesnar or some big name on each show to get ratings, and you don't know what the fuck you're doing with half your roster. Well, not only that, so it's like me. both people that I think that he could go against are like uh, both heel versions or the original versions of him before him, which would be like Sami Zayn or Daniel Bryan, who are both very Johnny Gargano beforehand, but now the heel version of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't even know how they would build a program with the way that they write those and focus those fucking shows. Right now, like, how do you even build a program? If you bring Gargano up, how do you build a program with him versus Daniel Bryan, who's tag team champion right now? Fire or Vince. like fire Gato. <laughs> yes, Gato's like, all right, guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a five day tournament. <laughs> this is block A. This is block B. <laughs> Wait, we're gonna, gonna have take action? all these. Um, we're gonna have these fucking. All these amazing workers we have all wrestle each other to win this thing. <laughs> Sounds super fucking hard, doesn't it, Dane? <laughs> Not that I'm Crazy. shitting on Gato's booking, because Gato's booking is awesome, but like when you it's have that much talent. Great. Effective. <laughs> yes, it still works. <laughs> There's a reason why Super Junior is in fucking G1 so awesome. <laughs> because they're like, here's our best wrestlers in these weight classes. Go fight each other. It's a, I, you thought they would have learned that when they did this the first cruiserweight uh, with Daniel Bryan on on commentary, the cruiserweight tournament. Like if you don't have anything for these dudes to do, bring back King of the Ring. There you go. Now you can have fucking matches on Raw instead of I miss the first King of the Ring hour, first hour and thirty minutes of just people talking and no actual wrestling. Which do you know what I'm so dumb about that, Chris? Is that is that you know Vince apparently hates tournaments. He doesn't. He never really liked King of the Ring. It was something pushed because it was something to do. But some of their biggest responses for 
you know, uh, some of the stuff that Triple H has done, obviously, is the Dusty Rhodes, you know, the his tag team tournament. That was something that brought a lot of fans into the NXT product. The Cruiserweight uh, tournament, the UK tournament, the women's tournament, the, the Mae Young Classics. Like, those do really well with wrestling fans. If you brought to a big, you know, stage, I, I don't know how the fuck it wouldn't do well. It's It's where wins and losses matter the most. I feel like you're going to have to fucking get used to it if the idea is you're going to go to Fox and it's going to be treated like a sport and wins and losses are going to matter and you already have AEW doing the same gimmick basically at the same time. You're going to have to embrace some sort of tournament, tournament, either tournament or like ranking system to make it realistic. So, (laughs) like, you don't have anything for these fucking amazing wrestlers to do? Here's an idea. Have a tournament. The winner of said tournament gets a title shot. There you go. Done. <laughs> Have wrestling on your <sighs> wrestling show. That goes a fucking long way. <laughs> Which now now we now we digress, but uh I will say that this is the uh, Gargano or not Gargano, but Adam Cole is the 16th NXT champion. And if you think about that, think about how long NXT has been around at this point and think about how many champions they have and realize that that is probably the most important fucking belt in WWE. If you really Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It's the most prestigious belt. I would say the WWE <laughs> title would be up there, but they don't even treat that that great. And it's under the universal title, which is basically the legends or super heavyweight title. Seth might be a fucking placeholder from now until like a little bit of time, but I know Brock's going to get that motherfucker again, and that's how it's going to be. It's whatever, because now they have the wild card rules, so they can have the WWE champion on both brands, and it's so fucking dumb. I'm just – God, it, it, it gets me so frustrated when I talk about this shit. Yeah, because if you just took – it's not even that you have to do a full tournament, but if you just took a little bit of what you do on NXT and applied it to your main product – it would go a long fucking way. Let's just say that. <sighs> well, speaking about tournaments, uh, our last part of the show, we're going to be talking about New Japan, uh, stuff that we watch and stuff that we're going to be watching this weekend, as in tomorrow night, uh, big event. But before we get to Dominion, let's talk about the finals for the Super Juniors. And what I mean by that is I want to go over the last three matches of the card. Um, uh, all of them. Really outstanding matches. Guys, find a way to go watch this. Uh, New Japan has a great streaming platform. I'm sure there's other ways to be able to find it. I think Fight probably had the pay-per-view itself if you want to watch it. I'm not going to say don't watch the tournaments. There are people out there, if you search, it's not that hard to find it, that break down the best matches of the tournament so you can kind of have them listed. Go back. Try a fucking month with New Japan. I think it's like 10 bucks, Might be even under that. And then check them out. I mean, they're always incredible wrestling. If you're not a fan of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, then you're a uh, douchebag. Um, sorry, that's just how I'm going to have to say. Um, <laughs> that was, that's not very fair, man. That, it can't be for was, everybody. That wasn't very nice. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. I'm sorry. But uh, what, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. But, hey, before we do that, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of taste to a show that we had our first episode Monday. So here is a trailer uh, to a show that I will be talking to you about uh, for this whole entire thing. So, When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's 
and the Blog Talk account itself, so you guys can listen to all of our stuff and check it all out. Either way, let's go over all this New Japan stuff, Chris. Uh, like I said, we get the, the finals, Super Juniors, so we're going to go over that match, of course, uh, with Takage and Osprey. But before we get to there, uh, Hiromu Tanahashi and Jay White had basically the rubber match. They've had two matches. They both had a win. And um, Jay White, grow, growing out the uh, facial hair, you know, I think I said that. He reminded me of Jake the Snake. All he had to do was, grow, like, grow out some facial hair so he didn't look like so much like a child. And he even more looked like that. He looked like an evil, like, kind of – like Pac, just less muscular. But either way, throughout the whole entire match, we watched our, one of our favorite wrestlers just get decimated, thrown around, destroyed, uh, you know, his real life. Well, I know that he was attacking his elbow, but his elbow's on the same side as his fucked up bicep that he's had for the longest time that I'm pretty sure healed incorrectly because he never let it heal completely. You know, it's, he was basically just going after his arm. It was a very vicious match. It was weird seeing... And I think that's what they're trying to do, which is enhancing Jay White as a heel. Um, but it was weird to see Tanahashi uh, in dismay like that. And I don't know. I like Jay White. I think he's very efficient. He's a great worker. Um, but at the same time, even with the New Japan crowd, do you think that they're giving him a very similar type of heel taste that Baron Corbin gets over in the main roster, over in WWE? I mean, he's already had a title reign even though it was short-lived i thought he was a pretty good transitional champion he's having high pro- profile matches he does really I'm good in the g1 with oh with the audience i i don't think so i don't think they're over pushing him and i think the crowd respects him while hating him <laughs> which they yeah. fucking hate which that was, um, that's what you want which is what you want. I mean, if you booked Baron Corbin correctly and he was a little bit of a better wrestler, then you could have like a Jay White in WWE. Jay White's a better wrestler. And um, obviously seeing the matches that he's had with Tanahashi and the match he had with Okada goes a long way. I think that he's gained the respect of the, uh, not the WWE audience, the new Japan crowd. And uh, even though they fucking hate him, at least, that's one thing about Japan that's a little different than here is uh, they respect the shit out of him, it seems like. So that would, that, to me, that's the only difference. That, like I said, Jay White's a, a better worker. I do agree. Um, what did you think about the destruction of, of, uh, of, of Tanahashi in this match? Because he just basically got annihilated, had a little bit of a comeback, and got finished by Jay White. I think it makes sense leading up to G1 because I think both these guys are going to be in G1 probably end up in the same block. So you get that re the, uh, another match between them and, you know, Tanahashi's won in the past against switchblade and this just builds heat going into G1. Um, they're really good at doing this with Tanahashi and, and with Okada. Uh, you remember Okada went through a big losing streak before he rewon the title. Yeah. And it, it just makes a lot of sense. And, you know, even if Tanahashi isn't hurt at the moment, it's the fact that that injury has been lingering or they've been telling us it's been lingering and he does such a great job of selling it. Um, it's great. And Gato just being, you know, Gato being the annoying fucking asshole he is as Jay Wyatt's manager is, is kind of, kind of great. 
And, uh, you know, that's that was the real effect on this match is, is giving Jay White even more heat and Gato more heat. So I have no problem with it. I think it makes sense going into G1. You have Not only do you have to worry about Jay White, but you also have to worry about Gato with these brass knuckles, which I thought was uh, was great to see in wrestling. Hey, if you need to get someone a cheap win, why don't they just pull out brass knuckles and lay the guy out? Like, for instance, if you want Lacey Evans to beat Charlotte Flair and you're not trying to book her oh, as God. a babyface, have her hit that women's right with brass knuckles. Make that a gimmick. Exactly. You can knock her out in one well, punch and win in 10 seconds. Brilliant. <laughs> fucking like, brilliant. It's not – it's fucking easy. It's not hard. This shit's been around for years. William Regal did it on that show. <laughs> like, fuck. But anyways, I, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. Um the next two matches were so fucking amazing that it overshadowed this a little bit, but I will say this is one of the better stories that Tanahashi and Jay White's told. And I definitely recommend watching it. All three of these matches. If you like good wrestling, if you like new Japan, definitely check out these, these, these three matches we're talking about now. Cause I, I, I was in love with this. I, these three matches I actually liked more than most of um, the all in pay-per-view minus maybe the dusty uh, Cody match. Or the Dustin Cody match, I should say. But yeah, I, I, I fucking I, I like this match a lot. I thought it was really good. Yeah, man, and holy crap! Like you were saying about Gato, not only that's the thing is like I'm looking at this like with, uh, I guess WWE kind of scaring me with their booking, but I keep on forgetting that Gato is the one who's like steering the ship. But one of the best, I would say, even though I can't think of like I don't think I could think past five, but like. Uh, best managers up there with Conan, uh, which I'm gonna call it, uh, Zelina Vega, Selena De La Renta, and of course Paul Heyman. I would say, just really efficient as a heel, fucking uh, valet that he's turned into. He was great as a, a you know Okada's, but it's like now he's going to turn up the heel factor, and I like it. Uh, but good shit, I like good shit. Uh, I really like Jay White and his progression as one of the top heels over in New Japan. And, uh, you know, this next match is very similar in uh, aspects of that because here comes the babyface, the U.S. champion, Juice Robinson, who I really like, awesome in the ring, and his opponent, John Moxley, who also is very over with the crowd, uh, even in Japan, which I thought was awesome. Uh, but my fucking lord, this was a brutal match. John Moxley just, just beat the shit out of Juice Robinson. There was that really scary spot that I know for a fact, it, I thought that Juice broke his tailbone where he jumped off the top part over in the audience, the, uh, uh, God, I can't think of it, like the doorway, but like above that and off of it onto Moxley and uh, two young lions that were not in position. They were a little bit too far up, so he kind of hit them and then just fell flat on his fucking ass. Looked terrible. He got literally bit open by John Moxley, monster, you know, Dean Ambrose, like, trying to encompass, like, I guess parts of Rowdy Rowdy Piper and just doing crazy shit, like, biting his head until it bleeds and keep on going after it and punching at it. Uh, just, it looked like an old-school-style Texas death match, like, or just, like, a badass wrestling match from back in the day with the NWA. Uh, awesome match by both guys. John Moxley won. He displayed his new finisher, I, I can't even think, like, it was really cool. I was like, that was really impressive, but I cannot relate to you exactly what it was. I can't remember. I just remember being really just blown away. 
uh, because Juice kept on. I think he kicked out of one of the uh, dirty deeds, but he hit that. Um, something happened, and then he hit another dirty deeds with for the win. And our new U.S. champion of New Japan, the new IWGP U.S. champion, John Moxley. Who the fuck saw this coming? If I told you, Chris, back in I don't know February, four months from now, five months from now, whatever, John Moxley is going to be the U.S. champion. Not in WWE, but over in New Japan. Would you believe me? I'd have been like, Bane? He's going to go to New Japan? Because <laughs> he was doing the Bane gimmick. Uh, I, we knew his contract was up. I didn't expect him to go to New Japan at all. But, um, I think it's, it's, it's a very fucking pleasant surprise. Uh, I loved this match. I thought it was awesome. It had the old school feel to it. Definitely a brawl. It makes me... I'm just dying to see him versus Joey Janela. They're going to fucking kill each other. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, the one thing I will say is I wish they would have just let – in New Japan, they don't really let you blade or do a blade job. They should have just let Juice do a blade job because there was a spot here where Moxley was trying to shoot open his head open with some elbows and, and uh, punches right above the eyebrow. And and then actually, you know, he did get him open a little bit and then he did the bite spot, which was awesome. I mean – fucking looks brutal, was good for the match. I, I think he could have just done a blade job similar to what Dustin did and had the same effect. Uh, obviously, they had the reasons for doing that, but that, that was the one thing I took out that? of this. What? So, I, Dustin was on, uh, I don't know if you listen to it or not, but he was on Chris Jericho's podcast last week. He didn't bury WWE or anything like that. Like He was very cordial and just talked about his journey and stuff and seemed like a really nice guy. I just compared Moxley, uh, which a lot of people have, obviously, to Roddy Roddy Piper, but more for the biting of the fucking head because I've seen that actually literally happen. But you were saying that he was trying to fucking do it hard way, and he couldn't get him busted open. And literally, Dustin was talking about one of his favorite matches he's ever had, which was with Piper in, in uh, WrestleMania. And he said, you would think that Piper is such an efficient puncher that he'd be able to knock me open once, like the first time. No, I tell him, punch me and cut me open, and he hit him basically three times. He couldn't fucking do it, but he knocked him, like, so hard he gave him a concussion. So, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper, rest in peace. Fun story. Yeah. Sorry. That, that's a, that's, like I said, that's why it's a scary spot. I would rather just have – I mean, I would rather just have the guy blade, honestly, <laughs> than yeah, fucking Vince wouldn't let try him to get that. blood hard way. Like, I get why they don't want to do it, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to, if they're going to go out there and try to get blood anyways, wouldn't you rather just have the blade, like, for fuck's sake. But the the, the entrance, the stage entrance spot uh, where the guys just, Juice Robinson just overshot them, and, uh, you know, they couldn't catch him. That was fucking scary. I thought he broke his elbow, oh. like you said. Um, John Moxley hit an X-Plex. And the fucking crowd went nuts when he did it. Like, it, it, that was insane. That was a great spot. I liked Moxley doing the old school heel figure four around the post. Um, I, there was just so much good shit. I liked the, uh, the 19 count with Juice rolling back in the ring uh, right before Dude, he hit incredible. hand to God. Great selling. And getting the near fall. Yeah, just all it around. It was like Velveteen um, Dream at TakeOver, man. Boy. Yeah, and it, and then you get the uh, and then you basically get the Okada finish where I, I got to hit this move three times right so he hits a double arm DDT Juice kicks out picks his ass up he hits a double arm DDT again Juice kicks out picks him up again and he gives him an elevated double arm DDT which I guess they are calling uh, whatever his, the Death Rider 
he hits that shit and uh, gets the pin, which makes me excited because I feel like if he's going to do that, but that spot, it kind of, I don't want to say it's a setup, but you could eventually get Okada versus Moxley. And I don't think Moxley will win that match. But you could get the similar spot, but from Okada, where you have the Death Rider versus the Rainmaker. Even the fact that they gave them those similar names seems like it's building already, and it could happen at G1, um, which he hasn't confirmed to be a part of because they haven't released that yet, but that would be my guess. This match was fucking fun. If you love just crazy brawls, this was was like a really, really good fucking match. And uh, not just brawling. I mean, there were like some of the spots the crowds popped the most for was, were the wrestling spots. Like I said, when Moxley hit the X-Plex, like the crowd lost their shit in Japan, which was, which was awesome. I, it was an insane match. And uh, you know what's crazy? John Moxley walks into two companies and comes out a fucking huge star both nights, right off the bat. Immediately. Immediately, and then cuts these amazing promos, and you're like, "What the fuck was WWE doing with this guy?" And I know me and you've been saying it for like almost two years at this Ugh. point, but what the fuck were they doing with this guy? <laughs> He's a great promo. He's good in the ring when you're not trying to script his matches out. You're gonna let him brawl a little bit, and uh, you know this just points to like with a brawling Chris Jericho, um, Cody showing that he can go that way with Dustin. Uh, Joey Janela's crazy ass, like all of the good matches that you're going to be able to get in AEW out of John Moxley, plus the shit he's going to be doing in New Japan, which I hope for the love of God he is in one of these blocks of the G1 because there's so Me many too. great matches they could get out of this guy, and I hope that's the case. And I love the fact that when he signed his contract that he did get New Japan dates before he signed with All Elite Wrestling because – oh, man, I'm fucking I'm, – I, mean, I was excited about him being in All Elite Wrestling. And I'm excited about that Joey Janela match, but if he gets announced for one of these blocks in G1, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna mark the fuck out. <laughs> like, because me too. You can me get him versus too. Tanahashi. Like, you're gonna get to see Moxley have to work G1 style wrestling matches. Like, there, you're not gonna have all of this that we just had in this match. You're gonna have here's gonna be a 20 minute wrestling match. What can he do then? And that, that's what I really want to see. Because I know he's going to be a crazy good brawler, because he always has been. But I also want to see him go against someone like Tanahashi. And I mean, like, obviously Tanahashi and Okada can drag a match out of anyone, but I want to see if that he can elevate that match um, and make it great. So I, that's the shit I want to see, and I look forward to it. And this was, uh, this was my favorite match of the night. Not taking anything away uh, from Osprey and uh, Takagi, which was also fucking amazing and Osprey deserves a medal for all the work that he's put in super juniors. In fact, if you want to watch great matches, just watch Osprey throughout this entire tournament. But, uh, yeah, man, I fucking love this match. It was awesome. Well, you brought it up. So let's go over to the last match. Uh, we had the finals literally for the super juniors, Shingo Takagi versus Will Osprey basically build up, in one block, Takagi was like a monster. He was just going through people, destroying them. Will Ospreay was playing more of the babyface, obviously, in the sense of him coming back and, and winning it. And between the two of them, these guys beat the living fuck out of each other. Um, I didn't know a lot about Shingo. I thought that he was awesome. I watched a lot of um, you know, clips uh, going over uh, the, the, the Super Juniors themselves uh, and, and their highlights. 
Will Ospreay is Will Ospreay. What a monster. I know why people are saying that he's now the new best bout machine, if you will. You know, someone someone said that, like, and it's kind of, like, hard not to say. He's so incredible in the ring. The way that he moves flawlessly uh, between stuff, it just makes it look so realistic. And with every impact and every strike, it seems like he's still being safe. And especially in this match, which I was very happy about, and I heard at least throughout most of the tournament, he did much more safe wrestling, which is something I think that a lot of us have wanted. This, I think he's 24, 25. You know, it's just like I just don't want him to put so many miles on that's going to really affect him later on in his career. He's incredible. Uh, someone said – someone I don't remember which person said this. I wish I could give you credit, but they, like, they said like – he said the ferocity of, of Kenny with his strikes, but the finesse of Okada with just movement, basically. And he is incredible. This was a great match. Um, and Will Ospreay won, man. And I think that – I don't think that he's going to win the G1, but to be the first person to win the G1 and also Super Juniors back-to-back would be fucking awesome. Um, I'd like to see him in the main title picture, though. I really would. I want to see more of him and Okada. I thought that match was great, but – Really, really, really good match. Osprey is fucking just amazing to watch in the ring. He's just, he's like Ricochet. That's why they had such great matches. It's just like you don't realize what you're watching. Ray Phoenix, Okada, uh, Kenny to an extent. Just certain people that just moved Sean back in the day. Ricky Steamboat. It's just like, it blows your mind. They make it look so real. Sorry, Chris. I'm gushing enough. Thought both guys are great. Will Osprey, Will Osprey, Kushishko Kata. What did you think? I thought I thought Will Osprey was amazing in this match. Uh, Takagi, the entire tournament, he was undefeated. He didn't lose a single match, which doesn't happen very often. Um, I thought they built up a, a really great story of this guy being unstoppable in his block, and then you know Osprey getting getting the better of him. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility with him winning G One. Um, I. It's more likely that he would win it next year, in my opinion, instead of it being back-to-back. But it would be like a really crazy thing to do that, that has never been done, um, which is kind of – which was awesome. I, Shingo hit an awesome uh, Spanish fly. I've seen so many fucked-up Spanish flies recently that it was really nice to see someone hit a really good one. Um, I mean this match went, what, f- f- almost 40 minutes and it was just brutal the entire way through. I, I felt like the pacing was really good. Um, the Osprey hit like a, a, a standing 630. Or no, no, he hit Shingo. That's right. Shingo was standing, and he hit a 630 on him, which I thought was fucking nuts. Um, just a bunch of crazy Osprey spots, but like you said, he, I think he's calmed down. He's not taking as much shit on, on his neck as he was previously. Uh, he slowed his style a bit. I liked the um, the top rope Oz cutter. I thought was awesome. Uh, obviously, I want to see Will Osprey in the top two. I, I think at the end of the day, we we kind of want to see, or at least for me as a fan, I want to see Osprey get the title from Okada. I think that would be a yep. really really fun New Japan moment later down the road, and a really great story that they've told throughout New Japan. Speaking One thing they're future. good at. Is yes, that and just the continuation of the story because Okada has beat him multiple times. Um, and it's just such it's such a great story. And it, like, if you go back and watch that first, the first really big Osprey Okada match where Okada is like laughing at him and they know each other's styles and they're fucking kind of goofing off in the ring and then they get super serious towards the end of the match. I want to see more of that 
and I would love to see that be like if Osprey wins G1 in a year from now, and uh, you know you can get the the title off Okada between now and then, and him get the title back to have that be a Wrestle Kingdom match. I think that would be a huge fucking moment. And hope I mean, one thing you can say about New Japan is like anything I'm thinking of, they've already thought of and they've already planted seeds for at some point in the future. A lot of times, which is what yep. I fucking love. Think about the Golden um, Lovers. Exactly. It's <laughs> which Kenny has some New Japan dates still that I, I just found that out. Yep. Um, apparently they had worked that out, so we're gonna get to see Kenny Omega in New Japan. I don't think he's gonna be doing G one or anything, but we could see uh see some fun shit with him in the future, which makes me happy. Uh, but yeah, dude, this was a fucking the, these three matches. If you're not gonna watch any, if you if you have to watch anything wrestling. To me, I would say the latter match from TakeOver and then the last two matches of this these cards are a fucking solid way to spend two hours easily. I agree. All right, well, let's, uh, let's review the uh, four title matches uh, for tomorrow night for Dominion. Um, the first one we have is the champion of the Never Open Weight Championship, uh, Tai Chi, who I really just don't get. Um, versus uh, Ishii, which I really like. So I want Ishii to beat the shit out of him and take that fucking belt because I want to see the the steel pit bull with some, some gold. I think that would be great. Chris, what do you think? I just kind of wish Ishii wasn't in this match. I hope Ishii does get the title, but the never open weight title is kind of... Whatever title. Almost Unless like, it's hold it, by yeah, Suzuki. Like it, yeah, it's like the European title in WWE back in the day. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Uh, and let's, so yeah, doesn't so mean the great wrestlers haven't off, held it. Yeah, it's not that great wrestlers <laughs> haven't held it. People have had great matches and never open weight championships. It's just that now they're stuck on that side of the card and Ishii to me is way above that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's but like I think when I think of a positive European champion, I think of British Bulldog. Like that's like one I go to. Or D'Lo Brown maybe or <laughs> X Pac. Or even Sean. When I think of like a good never open weight, it's pretty much Suzuki. That's the only one who made it like look like a fucking <laughs> title. Um, anyways, all right. So then we have uh, the tag team champions, uh, the Grills of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tongaloa, going against Los Cinco Dabinables de Capon, Evil and Sonata for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. Um, I know that they're going against the Briscoes for the uh, Ring of Honor titles. I'm pretty sure that's happening at least. Could be wrong. Uh, so I feel like if that is happening, they're probably dropping those titles. So I think they're actually going to retain, but I could definitely see Evil and Sonata winning these. Chris, what do you think? I think I, – honestly, I think the tag team division right now in New Japan is a little weak, and a switch up of the title wouldn't hurt it, especially if Tamatanga and Tingalo are going to hang on to the Ring of Honor titles for a while because they'll be working more dates in America. That's a good um, point. So. So I could see Evil and Sonata getting getting a title win here. It would spice up the tag division a little bit and give Tamatanga and Tangelo something to chase after. Um, yeah, it that, just seems like those the, are the one... only big tag teams that they have though is the Gorillas of Destiny and then Evil and Sonata. They kind yeah, of jump those I, I titles like... between them. Yeah, and it, you know because they work with Ring of Honor, if they beat the Briscoes, now you can bring the Briscoes into the fold and you can try to do some stuff with uh, Ring of Honor tag tag teams to build up. You know, hey, anyone to get anything to get them boys involved, that'd be fucking great. Um, yeah. But yeah, next title match we have the literally what what Will Osprey won this whole thing for, 
for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Will Ospreay is actually going to lose to Dragon Lee because Dragon Lee is going to lose to uh, Hiromu once Hiromu makes his return. And Will Ospreay is going to go to other places. That's what I think is going to happen. But you have Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay. Dragon Lee is going in as a champion. Chris, what do you think? Time limit draw. That's what I think. Hey. Time limit draw, and then Dragon Lee is our he yeah, and well Dragon Lee's already promised a title shot, so the Osprey title shot will be just moved down the line. I'm looking forward to Huromu's uh, new kitty cat. He's got a new cat doll, and I'm really looking forward to it because NATO killed the last one. (laughs) I hope we see a return to some extent. Yeah, definitely. all right, real quick, we got 90 seconds. Kota Bushi versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I'm actually going to give this to Kota Bushi. I want Naito to get out of the IC title uh, picture. Uh, same. I think Ibushi holds it here. And then the last one, Chris Jericho versus uh, Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Okada's holding on to this. If Chris gets that, I think he's also going to get the, uh, the AEW title to have both of them. If not... And that makes me think that there's probably more partnership with New Japan if Chris wins this. But I don't think it's going to happen. Okada's retaining that. What do you think? 100% chance of fucking rain. Good night, Jericho. All right, on that note, good night, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Weirdly on Friday, normally Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. Check us out every week. We talk about the latest and greatest in wrestling news. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. And thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, gvnation.com. It's got news and all the hookups for Instagram, Facebook, and all that jazz. Check us out every week. Thank you so much. Let the Geek Vibes be with you. Peace out, and check out Monday Suck or You Suck. Love ya. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.